We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Markets took a little bit of a breather after having a big run-up this week. The street continues. Stocks managed to crawl into positive territory yesterday. That was the fifth consecutive day of gains following the sell-off. That got kind of messy on December 24th. I know you're saying, Christmas Eve, you Scrooge. So the Dow and the S&P 500 are both out of correction territory right now, leaving them less than 10% below the indices' previous peaks. A lot going on. A lot going on, right? Government shutdown is making history as it's now starting to become the longest, and it's starting to bleed into other areas. And... um it's not just hitting the government workers. It's hitting the small cities that government workers work in, where there's maybe a food truck that stops by for lunch and hits up the federal employees for, do you want to buy a sandwich or a bottle of water? This has kind of a, got a real feel to it. And there is no end in sight. You can go back historically and you go, we always work this out, but for some reason we haven't this time. Prolonged government shutdown hasn't affected the stock market that much. With a 7% gain over the past 20 days, the S&P 500 has had the best performance during a government shutdown since at least 1976. So the market's had the best performance during a shutdown, and there's been numerous shutdowns. It happens on a pretty regular basis. That's why we go historically. It typically resolves itself where they say, okay, we're going to push it out two months, and then it tends to resolve itself. So... What does that tell you? The best time to invest is when the news, the blood is flowing, when there's bad news out there, right? 7% gain over the last 20 days. So if the shutdown were to drag on longer and even longer, it might give companies an opportunity to step in and alleviate some of the pain that the general public's feeling right now. Instead of waiting to, in long lines at the TSA checkpoints, travelers might be more willing for clearance from private airport security companies. So there could be some things that start to change. Did you see that that crazy video of a guy just snapping on an airplane on a little jet? And they say that uh, the security on little jets are really, really, really weak. So, so the TSA is going to be the one that everyone talks about. So in 2018, one of the things that we knew was going to happen was the, the clash with China on the G20 meetings. Investors were sent for a loop in late 2018 when the perception was that Trump and Z was going to come away from the G20 meeting in a better place. But that hasn't really happened. Trump's sticking with his guns. He's a tough negotiator. He's the art of the deal. Ten-year treasury sits at 2.7%. That's pretty crazy. So when you have an inv- uh, inverted yield curve, it's considered a wise move to get out of bank stocks because their loans are about to go bad. And when banks stop loaning, no, no, no. When bank loans start going bad, they tend to say, we're not going to loan as much going forward. 
or we're only going to loan to better people as we try to lick our wounds. The leveraged loan market has staged a sharp rebound from a bad month and its worst month of investor outflows on record. So we got the whole Federal Reserve. Um, when I left you yesterday on radio, I said the Reserve, uh, Federal Reserve chairman's going to be talking. It's a pretty flowery talk he gave. I know you're saying flowery. Use that in a sentence. Um, there was a lot of giggling. He was being interviewed, and the, the guy who was interviewing him wasn't exactly asking tough questions. He's like, so... Do you like your job? And the crowd would giggle, and he would giggle, and he goes, of course I like my job. So that didn't bear as much fruit as we wanted it to yesterday. So this is the day of maybe we take a breather as we run into the weekend. We've bounced 10% plus off that December 24 low. Major indices closed higher. Um, just a nice run. We're all back to work, it looks like, or it feels like, driving around the Bay Area. More traffic on the roads. So the burden of proof right now, a fundamental proof is what we're waiting for, is now it's safe to go back in the water. And we're moving towards earnings season. For I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Apple when they report their earnings, because they've already told us it's to be record earnings, but that their sales are dropping. So when they do report their earnings, how will the market respond? And man, is that going to be a conference call that you're going to want to listen to? Things went from okay at Apple to not so great. And there's going to be hell to pay during the conference call of their earnings call where they're going to report record earnings. But what's that mean? Fed Vice Chair Clarita said in a speech last night with inflation muted, the FOMC can afford to be patient with its policy approach. So the Fed does something that's kind of interesting. They get four or five directors giving speeches on a monthly basis. And sometimes it's the economic club. Sometimes it's at the Better Business Bureau. Sometimes it's in Davos, Switzerland. And they, they basically say, well, here's what we're seeing, and this is what we might do. And they kind of watch to see what the reaction is. They send up what are called trial balloons um, to see how the market's going to react. So the Fed's born-again belief that it can be patient with its policy approach, given that the core inflation trend is stable right now, around the longer-run target at a time when data here and abroad is revealing some softening in economic activity. It's probably wise that they, the market perceives it as probably wise that the Fed Reserve kind of slows down. Slow down. Well, this is an odd one. A Facebook executive was the victim of a hoax, claiming he had shot his wife and taken his children hostage. Crazy stuff. There's something called swatting, where your friends will call the police on you and say there's a hostage situation in your house. It's probably the worst possible thought in the world or prank to do to someone. That's terrible. People would die. Police show up with shotguns. You need to be careful on that one. Police turned up at the house of a Facebook executive after a prankster uh, imitated him and said he shot his wife and taken his children hostage. So this is called swatting. Palo Alto Daily Post reported that the Facebook executive who has not been named was briefly handcuffed. That's kind of interesting. And the ramifications on that. I certainly like, sometimes I, I try to go who's responsible or I try to like think through thoughts just to think them through. Like if you're at a four-way stop, and you can't stop your vehicle because of ice, and you're sliding through, and another guy goes through, <laughs> who's to hold, who's to blame? Because in theory, no one's supposed to go until it's safe, right? At a four-way stop. But if someone assumes you're going to stop because you got there first. Anyway, so legally speaking, if, you, if someone swatted me, 
and I figured out who it was and I got handcuffs on him. My neighbor saw me. I'm going to sue that person, right? So Palo Alto police said, uh, yet I unidentified mail ring 911 at 9 p.m. Tuesday night purporting to be the executive who had not been named. Wouldn't it be fantastic if it was Mark Zuckerberg? Doesn't the drama just like make you smile at that point in time? And, and the answer is no. But that's kind of cruel. People can be cruel. Um, fake 911 calls. What should we do with them? If you elect me president, I will kill all spammers. I will kill all junkie mailers. And oh, yes, I will put to death all swatters, people who call the SWAT illegally on other people. That's to be my platform. 800-516-1220. Big seminar coming up Thursday, the 24th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great location. Ironically, no, it's just a coincidence that it's also in Palo Alto. And for the record, I didn't call the police. I'm Rob Black. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Use code radio 25. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more, trying to get you to retirement sooner than later is the idea. You know me, I tend to enjoy talking about the markets. Sometimes I'll try to bring some cultural phenomenon ideas up with you. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm most fascinated in, you know, th- th- what are the stories right now? Clean energy, right? A little solar thing going on electric cars, the aging of the baby boomer, pharmaceuticals benefit, the angle on globalization, where we are truly in a global market, um, for better or for worse. It's something you have to kind of acknowledge and go with. We could talk about crazy stuff like um, Fortnite and what's going on there. Fortnite's a global phenomenon, and ultimately, it's 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 pushed by two big businesses, one in the United States and one in China. And you can navigate through firewalls. You can get onto Chinese servers and see what it's all about. It's pretty cool, all things considered, on what sort of big business is happening internationally on a game like Fortnite, right? You with me against me. So I think one of the big stories of 2019 will be Disney. You know, I'm sitting with a mortgage lender right now, and he's like, oh, me and my partner are betting on where mortgage rates are going to be at the end of the year. That sounds like fun. I'd rather bet on the Super Bowl myself than on mortgage rates, but forgive me. Now, Disney streaming is going to be a big story. When in 2019? I don't know. Disney has a kind of a bit of a, an issue that they're going to have to work through on the streaming. First and foremost, we know Disney movies. We love Disney movies. We love Pixar movies. At some point in time, your kid's going to turn four years old, and if he hasn't seen the movie Toy Story by then, what are you doing wrong as a parent? Right? And then you go, oh, I can have a good day with my kid and watch Toy Story 2 tomorrow. And then you go, oh, I can watch Toy Story 3 tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure Toy Story 4 is coming out this summer. So Disney's got like just a ton of blockbuster movies coming out this year. The final Star Wars. All while they're a big movie company, right? They also have to figure out what's going on with Lady and the Tramp. What's going on with Cinderella? Cinderella is the... If you think the furlough and the um, government shutdown's tough, think about poor Cinderella. She probably made her debut for Disney, what, 60, 70 years ago? 
and she's still not getting paid, and they still bring her out. It used to upset me greatly as a kid. Remember the, the TV commercials? Walt Disney is going to release Cinderella. We're letting, we're opening up the vault and letting her out one more time for something called VHS tapes. And then you're like, oh, I got to buy it now because Disney's going to put her back in the vault for 10, 15, 20 years. And they're not going to let her out. Mean Disney, right? And then like as soon as DVDs were invented or Laserdisc, Walt Disney has decided to let Cinderella out of the vault one last time. This time it's for the magic of Laserdisc. Everything's been digitally remastered. Get your movie now. Only $69.99. Right? So Disney had that, and they, they still have that because, I, I don't know. At some point in time, don't you want to show your daughter the original princess movie? So Disney's remaking its animated classic Lady and the Tramp right now. It's going to have to approach this big service where you can get all-you-can-eat video from Disney versus new movies coming out. You know, when you go to a movie now, it's, it's a good for a family of four. It's a good $70. After you pay for tickets and you get any sort of concession, parking maybe. Um, it's big. And maybe a dad will say, you know what? We're going to get the $10 Disney Channel where you can get all the Disney movies you want. And instead of going to two movies here, we're going to just watch them at home. Because huh. to make that service attractive, they're going to have to put the new lady in the tramp on it eventually, right? So Disney's going to go full forward with its big slate of big budget theater releases. And the company's streaming video subscription service is going to launch later this year called Disney+. Plus. The remake is one of a roughly half dozen new movies the studio is uh, making to help kick off the service. So Disney's trying to get big blockbusters on their own service, but they also want you to go to the movie theater. And then I was talking to someone yesterday, a mother, about Disney raising the price, prices 15%. Tickets are running like 130 for like low level days up to 160 for high level days. And Disney's saying, well, we're just trying to make the experience very, very Disney and price people out. Now, they're not saying it quite like that. But the demand's still very, very strong. I know people who get engaged at Disney. And I once told someone who got engaged at Disney, I'm like, you need to call that off. He should have taken you to Mexico or he should have taken you to Hawaii. Done some elaborate thing with rose petals on your bed. I don't know. I don't know. But Disney? Grow up. But anyway, the price of the park is so expensive. At this point in time, I almost don't want to go. The idea of spending two or three days in parking lots and lines in Southern California with fat Oompa Loompa Americans. And then you see all the tourists. You're like, oh, it's you who's driving up my prices of... uh, Disney tickets, but 150 bucks, family of four. Think about that for a second. That's pricey. You throw in a hotel, maybe a flight, and that's just one day. And one day is going to get you what on maybe six rides, and the kids are going to be clamoring to go back again. So the Disney's got a big issue this year. They want to keep their parks full. They're raising prices now. As an investor, I love that. I love that. And like you know, remember Christmas at Walmart when they open the doors at midnight and people like trample each other and start fights and sometimes pull guns on each other. I love that. There's demand out there that it, that, that has to be quenched. And and Disney's raising the prices to the point of, uh-oh, could this be another Apple? Where Apple raised the price from the phone from $400 to $500 to $600 to $700 to $1,000. Wait, 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 wait. $1,000? And then you start going, well, I, my first car was 14000 Now you think about that and your cars start 35-ish, kind of-ish, ish, ish. 
You can get cheaper cars, but maybe, maybe, maybe you see what it's like. So if you're throwing out $1,000 on a day at Disney, because you spend $150 times four, 600, right? Then you throw in taxes in California. That's another 60 plus bucks, right? Are you with me against me? So then you get the hotel and you get the hotel and resort taxes, $200 a night. So that's a good thousand dollars a day already. Right. And then you throw in food and you throw in uh, concessions and you throw in souvenirs and baubles, which that's the one that kills me the most is when you have to pay $10 for a soda or $10 for a a stuffed Mickey Mouse set of ears that were probably created in a factory in Asia with chemicals leaking all over them. And you're just putting them on your head. So that's why I like Disney because they can do it. But you also have to have in your head, what happens if people get priced out? What happens if people suddenly revolt? Can they do it in China? Can they raise prices in Disney China? Can they raise prices in Disney Paris? Can they raise prices in Disney? You name it. Pricing power is really, really important to look at. And that's where you see inflation. It's more expensive this year than last year. And inflation's the boogeyman. A little bit's okay. But 15% price ticket increases is pretty egregious. Big event coming up January 24th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great, easy parking. Palo Alto, start the year right, January 24th, 630 to 8.30, sign up at Rob Black's show, use code RADIO25. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I was a pretty normal kid growing up. I had aspirations to be a video game maker or programmer. That was probably my dream job. Um, I liked being around technology. I listened to kids today, and as a parent, I talked to other parents, and I just had uh, a a set of parents go to China. They took their kids to China for vacation or something like that. Kids were there with them. I think it was work-related. He gets to go for free, brings drags family along. And the one thing that's, you know, really stuck out to me. I'm not going to China. There's no way I'm going to go to China. I'm a picky eater on a lot of levels. There's no way I'm going to be kind of an adventurous eater. There's no way. That's my barrier to not going to China eating. And I'm not going to go with like 100 power bars or something like that either. Come back all constipated off on 20-hour flight. No, thank you. So with that being said, the thing that kind of shocked me that they said, and I know this, China's kicking our butt. And China's got a lot more legs than the United States does. A lot more people, right? And they're kicking us in education of their kids. Their school systems rock. Their school systems kick out high-quality math and science engineers. Now, you start thinking about that for a second. It's not that big of a deal. But as Dion Warwick once said, I believe the children are our future. And that's true economically speaking. In 10, 15 years when I stop working, you know what? I want some kid out there to have a job, and I want him to be paying Social Security taxes and them to be writing me the Social Security checks. I need the kids to earn money, and I need the kids in America to earn a lot of money. I can't have them working at McDonald's because it would take 40 employees at McDonald's to pay my Social Security because I'm kind of a big deal. So children are our future. I think it's really important that you start educating yourself on Financial planning, you're going to work from 20 to 60 and make money. You should have a plan of what 20 to 60 kind of looks like. Now, I know that some people get to the age of 40 and they haven't had kids and they're like, oh, my biological clock is ticking. 
and they decide to have kids, and then they decide, well, hmm, two incomes isn't going to be enough, and I got to go back to school so we can have a, a healthier second income, and then that costs money. So I know that you have to start understanding life planning, right? Retirement is coming at age sixty to sixty-five ish, in theory. As you get older, you know this. It hurts a little bit more to get out of bed. Then there's gonna be life events like getting married. It's gonna be costly. Having kids is gonna be costly. There's gonna be a night where you get a call in the middle of the night, Mister Black. We need to tell you something. I'm like, uh oh, car crashes, right? Accidents happen, and they can be very, very expensive. What if an accident happened to the breadwinner? I know many, many, many people, having been in this industry for a long time, and people contact me. I know many people who have had the breadwinner get disabled, and they go bankrupt, or they have to leave the state, or that they're married, and it's a stay-at-home mom, they've got four kids, and suddenly the dad's paycheck just doesn't cover the bills. So they have to check out of California, say, see you later, Hotel California, we're going to Mobile, Alabama. It's cheaper there. So home ownership is is a big one. I own a home on a creek, of which rats live on creeks. Now, the home's gone up enormously in value. I could sell it today and make a lifetime investment in return. I tell people to say, save a million dollars minimum, because a million dollars would pay you $40,000 a year till the day you die, in theory. So I have a home that I could sell for a million dollar profit, but boom. But also I got rats. So as long as I live there, I got to maintain the property. And that's not cheap. That's where real estate investors forget the cost of business. And they're like, real estate's great because it always goes up. First and foremost, you've, you've probably hit your head too many times against a wall. You're not thinking clearly. It doesn't always go up. But again, maintenance is, is something that you have to throw down. Um, I've got a patio that, quite honestly, is starting to look a little old. I've got walls that need to be painted. I've got taxes that need to be paid. So the maintenance on a home is always something to think about. Insurance, life insurance. I've got term life insurance. I don't like whole life. I don't like variable life. You don't need life insurance for your whole life. When I'm 80 and I kick over dead, and I'm going to try to do it on radio or television. So stay tuned, okay? If you've never seen a dead person, I'm going to try to do it on radio or television. I'm doing my best right now. Um, But I have term life. And when I'm 80... Hopefully, I've invested in five real estate properties. Hopefully, I've, I've maxed out my 401k for 40-plus years and seen the market go up in every 10-year period. Hopefully, you see where I'm going at with this? Hopefully, when I'm 80, I, I don't have a situation where, like, oh, my roof might blow off. I need the money to put a new roof on. Hopefully, I have that said roof. So, I don't need whole life. When I, I kick over, you know, my spouse is probably going to be like, ding, dong, the, the witch is dead, the wicked witch, the mean old witch, ding, dong, witch is dead. That's going to be my funeral song. And I want to be buried in the backyard in a, a um, shoebox. So, I know, but I don't want to be cremated. I'm going to make it very, very difficult for my heirs to get their, their inheritance. You must bury me in the backyard in a shoebox. And use a butter knife to cut me up into pieces to fit in said shoebox. No way. So, there, there, there's those issues. Term life invests, it, it ensures what you can't afford to lose, your, your ability to earn income. And I'm only going to earn income from 20 to 60, and I'm going to live off my income. I'm going to live off my investments. So I don't need ter- life insurance on a 80. If you need life insurance when you're 80, you did something wrong. Are you with me against me? But if you're 45 years old and you get that call from the police in the middle of the night, sorry, sir, we have to inform you your spouse is dead. 
Um, but, 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 but she worked at Facebook and she made six figures. You don't want that. That's when you need the term while they're alive. So when you're 20 years old, get 40, 40 year term. It covers you from age 20 to 60. If you're 30, get 30 year term. If you're 40, get 20 year term. Now again, you're going to have to refine these numbers a little bit. This is very rough, you know, pencil on a, a napkin. It's not the kind of firm, nice napkin. It's kind of the napkin that shreds into millions of little pieces the moment you put a, a pencil on it. So you have to start thinking term life insurance, not whole life, not variable life. You don't need it. Term life and invest the rest. That's what professionals do. Now there's some, some, I got to be very careful what I, how I use this word, slimy, pathetic human beings who sell you life insurance, who want to make a big commission. So they sell you whole life or variable life. Behave yourself. And somewhere in this conversation, it goes like this. So Mr. Black, tell me, don't you want to protect your children for your whole life? If you answer no, you're, you're a jerk, right? So they ask questions to make you feel guilty to sign up for something you don't need, whole life or variable life insurance. And they're typically, I'm going to be honest with you, high school educated people who want a better income and career than what their education allows them for. Because as we start this segment, the little kids in China, they have the math and science jobs. So we're going to be selling insurance. We're going to be selling stuff. I was talking to one of my radio producers yesterday. And he said, oh, yeah, back in the East Coast. There was a sports station that I worked with that even the on-air personalities had to do sales. That's, that's the nation we're kind of running into. You don't have a great job. You can, get a, you can get a job in radio as a sports personality, but you also have to do sales. Oh, you're kidding me, right? So I own a home. I've had life events. I'm getting closer and closer to retirement every single day. I, you know, I don't know. What's the retirement going to look like for me? I just thought about that just this morning while driving in. I kind of wouldn't mind to be a security guard, a dog trainer or a security guard. I know you're saying you're going to be taking massive pay cuts, aren't you? Yes. But the idea of being a, going to work, I like. So I don't like, you know, uh, everything in life, but I, I, I do like the idea of going to work and socializing. We got this guy uh, at Cron at the TV station in San Francisco. His name's James. And he's just this old security guy, like, you know. Again, if you're going to be a criminal, target places with old security guys is my thought. You might be able to scare them to death and not actually have to shoot them. Oh, and by the way, I still stand by my number one retirement trick. If you have not saved enough money and you want cable TV, you want air conditioning, you want a gym, you want three meals a day. If you have not saved enough money for retirement, consider, consider going into a bank with a gun, shooting it once in the air and say, I want all the money and then put the gun down. Put your hands up in the air and sit down, and you'll probably get lifetime in prison, which is a retirement plan because it's 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 free lodging, it's free food, it's a free gym, it's free cable TV. Sometimes you get air conditioning. I know you're saying you're kidding, right? I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding, but I have actually seen people do this. There's a big story out of the Pacific Northwest a couple of years ago. The guy had nothing, and he kind of wanted to be taken. He wanted medicine. He wanted a bed, so he did just that. So I don't want you to have to do that. Pay your taxes. I have credit cards that I have. Uh, I get points out of. I've got basically an all-expense vacation covered whenever I want to because I, I get so many points every year, which is kind of nice to have. Um, but pay off your balances every month. Don't carry a balance. If you can't do that, you can't own a credit card. Credit cards are bad. They're bad tools if you can't pay them off. Credit card's amazing if you can keep the balances down and then use it to look at your spending. 
I could take a look at your budget if you give me your, your credit card receipts, if you give me access to see what you're spending and charging. I, I can get you to, to retirement a lot faster than you can. Pay attention to those credit card bills, people. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. You learn from your mistakes, right? That's what dad always said. One of my mistakes was is that I carried a lot of shame. I had an alcoholic father who liked to pick on you. He was a smaller guy, so he couldn't physically pick on you. All of his kids grew quickly and grew bigger than him fast. I remember, so what he would do is he would shame you. Like if you were supposed to be at home for dinner at 5, he would you know, say you ruined dinner at 5.05 when you show up. Getting over shame is a really important thing. When I was a young man and I was starting to date young women, let's call me 21, let's say well past the age of consent, right? I, I was a little puffy. College put a couple pounds on me. And I, maybe I didn't like taking off my shirt. Or maybe, you know, there's some shame issues that you have. When you get over shame, you become the world's greatest lover. You become a great business partner. When you get over, when you start asking questions, it's super powerful. You know, one of the things that I was shamed on growing up was video games. And it's not missed on me that I wanted to come to Silicon Valley because of video games. It's not missed on me that some of the highest salaries are in Silicon Valley. But I didn't think that as a kid. I just thought that was my love, right? So I started talking a little bit about Epic Games, and they're 40% owned by Tencent Holdings. So it's a U.S.-China company. I think it's kind of cool that you go with this thought here for a second. There's 200 million registered users. And because they got up to 200 million registered users, to become a registered user, you have to throw it on your credit card? I think. Let me ask. To buy V-Bucks, you have to have a credit card. Okay, maybe you don't have to have You have 200,000 accounts, right? Let's just let's go with that for a second. 200 million accounts. They've got email addresses for 200 million people playing the game. Are you with me or are you against me here? Stay with me for just a second. One game, one phenomenon, Fortnite. They could start so many businesses off that. And they plan to. If you know what Stream is, Stream is a company that takes 30% of a video game's cost. So if you want to play Battle Royale or Battlefront um, on Steam, you have to pay. They pay. No, no. Battlefront made by, let's say, Electronic Arts. They have their own platform, Origin, right? So some of these companies are starting to figure out, we don't want to pay Apple 30%. Netflix has to pay Apple somewhere between 15 and 30%. The smaller companies pay Apple 30%. So if I have a meditation app that I get charged 60 bucks for a year or 100 bucks for a year, $30 goes to Apple. $70 stays with the company. Same thing with Fortnite. If you buy Fortnite or if you use it on your phone through the Apple Store or if you do it through the... So what I'm trying to get at is that here's a company that's U.S. China-based, which is pretty cool. It's globalization. It's integration of economies. It's increasingly a digital one that happens invisibly. You could buy dance moves. You could buy skins. You could buy digital stuff. But getting 200 million people to sign up for a platform, they can now say, okay, we're going to charge gamers... Gaming companies, 15%. So the new, the next time someone wants to release a game, they'll say, well, we, we know there's 200 million potential buyers of the game. We know that they're going to show these 200 million people our product because they want to get a piece of our action. It's an interesting way of distributing. It used to be, you know, in the retail, 100% markup. You'd own a store, uh, electronics boutique, it's GameStop, someone like that. 
and it was a hundred percent markup on the software so that you can figure out how to get a cut and how to pay the rent and everything like that. So digitization is happening in a lot of ways. And what I'm trying to get at is that wasn't a business model when I was a kid, but it is tied towards video games. And you can see that if you, if you stop for just a second, having a platform with 200 million people, it's like having a Super Bowl that's a, a CBS platform and they've got the product that everyone's going to come watch on February 5th or whatever it is this year. But the, you're talking about 100 million people at that point in time. You're not talking about 200 million people. This is big. And the, the for advertisers, it's huge. And for game distributors, it's huge. And again, I'm just, it, it's video games and it, you got to get over your shame. There's money to be made. I know someone, and I don't want to say who, and I don't want to say what radio station he works at. Oh, I only work at one radio station. But I know someone in radio who's starting to sell uh, marijuana peripherals. Really? Um, things that you can buy because marijuana is becoming more and more legal, legalized in states. All right, all right, all right. So I, I don't think he's selling bongs, but I think he's selling like shredders and things like that. And I, I don't know the whole marijuana culture. Trust me, I don't. I did not inhale. Who smokes marijuana? Poppy needs that sticky icky for his glaucoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Glaucoma. That's what it is. I've got back pain too. But okay, 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 okay. Getting back to marijuana, there's not a lot of profit margin in marijuana, but it is being legalized. And I know a guy who's under 30 who's like, he, he's not me. He's not going to start a financial planning company. He's not going to start, you know, uh, um, he's not going to be suddenly become a, a computer science engineer and Facebook's going to say, we have to have you. So he's figured out that, you know, I can go to trade shows. I can go to Coachella and I can sell the product there. And I kind of like the idea. It's very, very entrepreneurial. It's playing into growth. Um, when he asked me for advice, I said, save money along the way. You can't spend paycheck to paycheck because at some point in time, you're going to break a leg. And you're not going to be able to go to a show. So you got to stockpile that emergency money, right? So anyway, times do change. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, you grew up playing video games. Not particularly because you were overseas and a little bit tougher to get. Um, were they a shaming kind of thing? I always felt like going to the arcade was a little bit down on when I grew up, it was, it was all about outdoor sports, outdoor games. Um, and if you were caught indoors, it was, it was like, you just weren't being social. I don't think there was any shaming though. We still did both. That was the thing. I know people nowadays, you know, as a father and I see other kids, they just, they get secluded into their house and it's all they do. And then their other friends do the same thing. You can listen to Tony Mendez Thursday nights here at 6 o'clock on AM 1220 KDOW. You can find him at KDOW.biz. He is currently holding his laptop upside down, trying to shake coffee out of it, which cracks me up. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does all my mortgages. I'm going to talk to him about my mortgages. It's a big year last year for me in real estate. I'm Ron Black talking all things financial.